Blog Talk Radio. I had to wake up, I guess, to uh, give you a message here from the from Dreamland. I give you a message from Dreamland. Yay, yay, folks from Dreamland. My my dream self tells you of many things of of, of murder hornets and um, and evil plans of the murder hornets to take over the world. Yay, hooray! I bow, I bow, I bow to our hornet overlords and just. I'll give them all the honey they want. They can have all the honey they want. I'll, I'll serve in the honey fields and give them all the honey they want to our uh, murder hornet overlords. If it's not one thing, it's two other things. My dad used to say, if the plague doesn't get you, the murder hornet will get you. You know, And the aliens are coming too. You know, The, the flying saucers are in the sky. What next? I, I'm not even going to ask. You know, it's because you know it's the Z word. The Z word, should I say it? Should I say it? Zombies? I, 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 I don't. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. That's the next. And you know what? We live in such weird times that if it comes out, if it says you know zombies have been seen in New York, Los Angeles, whatever, people will just go, oh, oh well, you know that, uh, yeah, whatever, dude. You know that's yeah. We've been expecting it. We've been expecting it. So go to the. Um, uh, Center for Disease Control website. Um, they actually have protocols for what to do in case of the, the zombie invasion, the zombie apocalypse. And uh, I, I would download that now while you can and bone up on it. What to do? You know what they say? Aerobics. Aerobics. You got to be able to outrun them. That's the first thing. You got to be able to outrun the zombies. Are we going to get the slow zombies or the fast zombies? You know, that's the thing. Uh, if you watch uh, Train to Busan, uh, which is a great zombie movie, they're really fast in that movie. I mean, man, they can really they can really lay lay mileage down. They're fast zombies. So um, you, you'll you'll hear everything on this show, folks. Crystal advice: What crystals are good against zombies? Uh, uh, actually, there there is one um, that's very good against zombies. Um, I have it. Right here. Uh, I was going to talk about it next week, but uh, uh, not particularly against zombies, but uh, 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 sphero, fer, spherolite, which is a zinc compound, is very good uh, against zombies. Uh, Tony, I says salt. Salt is good against zombies, which is true. Yes, throw it at them. Uh, spherolite, which is a zinc compound, is very heavy in uh, 
Spocky, you can throw it at them, and it would work quite well. The big, a big quartz uh, uh, chunk would work too. Uh, heavy and sharp, throw it at them, knock their head off, hit them in the head. You got to hit the zombie in the head. But uh, load up a, a shotgun shell with raw two and uh, shoot it in the head. Shoot them in the head with it. That's the thing to do. Where, where's Daryl when you need him with his crossbow? That's what you need. This is the Crystal Silence League, ladies and gentlemen. Survival tips against the coming apocalypse. Uh, what to do against murder hornets. Keep your epinephrine pen handy. That's what you do. Um, tonight, we're going to talk about lots of stuff. I have lots of stuff. Um, yeah, salt on the tongue was the traditional way to stop a zombie. That's from White Zombie, isn't it? The uh, um, uh, Boris Karloff... Um, movie, wasn't it? White Zombie? Um, Bella Lugosi, Boris Karloff? Isn't that where that's from? You, okay, you, you don't know what you miss when you don't come into the chat room. You, you don't know what you miss. You get hoodoo tips and uh, zombie tips and uh, all sorts of stuff. Don't know what you miss. Don't know what you miss. The Crystal Silence League founded around um, 1917 by Mr. Claude Alexander Conlon, who also probably knew how to fight zombies. He's a notorious zombie fighter and a vampire killer. We're probably, that's going to be one of my next books, uh, Claude Alexander Conlon, vampire killer, vampire hunter. And uh, he founded the Crystal Silence League around 1917 uh, for the purpose of radiating and projecting positive mental influence for all those in need of such. And when you think about the times, uh, Great Depression, World War One. World War II, um, Spanish influenza, uh, polio, etc. Um, Woodrow Wilson, all sorts of things. Uh, they needed it. So, oh, I threw in a political statement there. Uh, the, uh, the 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 beginning of the Federal Reserve, etc. Uh, everybody needed it. So uh, he passed into the silence around 1954 and uh, took the league with him. But around 2007 or so. Uh, Magical adepts of the Missionary Independent Spiritual Church brought it back to life on the Internet. And, uh, of course, now we're the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches because we have many churches uh, as part of our network as we expand. You know, we're the small church um, mission, mission, right? Um, all of our churches are very small. And um, it's kind of touching because people will call me and say, oh, you're a spiritual church. I was, all, I was involved with the spiritual church in uh, – New York, and I'd like to come by during your services. And I tell them my services are over the air on Tuesday night because my buildings are, um, uh, you know, eight square feet or 10 square feet. And I don't really, and they go, yeah. I said, well, you know, how many people can you fit in that space? You know, like three, you know, two or three. And they go, yes, can I come by sometime? I said, well, if you want a reading, you can, but, you know, understand that I don't have a community that, that meet. I, I thought at one time about buying a church building and, uh, putting a shop and, but you know, if I, if I were 10 years younger, um, I would, but you know, I just can't do it at my age. If I'd started this 20 years ago, maybe, but not at my age, I'm not going to do that. Have services and things. That's, that's a younger man's job, not mine. And, uh, I really couldn't do it. Um, really just having my, um, my three buildings is all I can, uh, handle at my age, but it's kind of touching. I just say, you know, I don't think any of us have, weekly services um well maybe maybe some do maybe some do um they have the the space to do it most of us have something like this a radio show i say come you know listen to my shows and um that's that's how we do it i say if you'd like to have services you'll gather around in your home and um, listen to the radio with great intensity like they used to do back in the 20s and people did um before television and things like that they gathered around the radio with great intensity and listened um to these old shows and if you ever listen to those old radio shows they're very dramatic um very exciting very dramatic and uh, uh those, those folks really knew how to use their voices and sound effects and things nothing like nothing like today really nothing nothing like today at all and uh where movies depend on uh special effects and cgi and chase scenes and explosions to keep your attention these folks could keep your attention just with their voice. It was really something, it was something to hear. And so we had a, um, 
the uh, oh, I'm I'm really drifting tonight, aren't I? We had a just an interesting. I had an interesting day on the phone with people today. That's all I can tell you. A very interesting day on the telephone. Um, if I, I could do a um, like a uh, uh, like a Fraser Crane call-in show where people called me and. I talked to them on the phone. You wouldn't believe some of the conversations I've had. And, uh, you know, we are a call-in show. Uh, we have a phone number. Uh, uh, what did, I got it right here. Uh, 657-383-0525. And everybody else's show, people call in and get readings and stuff. But, you know, my show has never been that way. Um, at first, people would call in and uh, get a reading, but they don't on the show. It, just never took off that way. Uh, no one called. No one called to um, say, "Well, sure, give me a advice for what crystal to use, or uh, you know, give me give me a reading on this." No one ever did, and um, it just never took off on this particular show. People were just content to listen to my soothing voice and drift off into a quiet meditative uh, drone or go to sleep. You know, use my voice to uh, lull them off into a quiet sleep. I think. Mostly, that's what that was about. And um, I'm, I'm content. I'm content to be your uh, your snooze guru, the the guru of snooze. I'm content. I'm the Babaji, the Yogananda of your twilight hours. That's fine with me. As we um, as we drift off on that topic, um, you can go to www.crystalsilenceleague.org and see our website. And if you do, you'll see our prayer page where people post their prayers now. They used to mail them into Claude Conlon on a postcard, if you can imagine that. And um, he, for $2, he would uh, send you back an astrological reading. And uh, for free, he would pray for you, though. And prayer is always free with us. We don't ask you for any money. We really don't. But we do have a gift shop if you'd like to buy crystals and books from us. And if you do, you get a year's free membership. Uh, our crystal of the week, by the way, is bismuth. And bismuth is a lovely crystal. It looks artificial if you look at it. It looks like tiny uh, matrices, uh, rectangles uh, stacked on top of each other. It almost looks unbelievable when you see this thing. Many of them are rainbow colored, like they're uh, airbrushed, different colors, and uh, symmetrical arrays of rectangles stacked atop each other. If you can find you a perfect piece of it, it's not chipped or broken because it's very brittle. If you drop it, it'll shatter uh, into dust. And bismuth, of course, is one of the ingredients of Pepto-Bismol. It is uh, used in medical uh, uh, treatment. And um, uh, it uh, is a uh, unique element. It is an element. It's on the uh, periodic table it's number three eighty three on the peri- on the periodic table and uh, it's uh naturally occurring bismuth is fairly rare um, uh, although you can buy it and um, it, for one of the rarer elements it's not um, uh terribly expensive to buy pieces of it um, because when you buy it it's usually not very pure. Uh, pure bismuth is rare, but the bismuth that's mixed with other things is not particularly. Uh, because pure bismuth is is white with a slightly pinkish color. The stuff that's rainbow has all sorts of inclusions in it. Uh, <clears throat> and um, what I've seen range anywhere from a good size chunk, anywhere from fifty to eighty dollars for a fairly good size piece and good quality um, which is not bad for a, uh, a crystal like that uh, but it's a uh, motivating type of crystal um, it can really help you um, uh, el- elevate your spirit it helps uh, uh, helps you uh, focus uh, helps with your uh, visualization helps motivate you help elevate your spirit um, depending on the colors in it it can help with um, um, uh, you know, whatever particular chakras the colors are, um, it 
if you're in a, a stupor, uh, a, a drowsy state where you have trouble concentrating and focus, it can really pinpoint uh, your focus and give you that diamond concentration you need. Um, it, uh, it, it stimulates energy. Um, the uh, people that work with auras and uh, biological fields say that it can clear any kind of obstruction in that biological field and uh, uh, help you uh, enjoy the, uh, as they like to say, the journey toward achieving a goal. The uh, It can help people with teamwork because as you see all those little clusters, they represent uh, uh, people gathering together in a group. Uh, helps with astral travel, helps with spiritual uh, journeys. Um, uh, I, I've never seen the big uh, appeal to astral travel. It seems like a titanic waste of time to me, but a lot of people do enjoy it. The uh, um, uh, That's about all I can really tell you about it. It's uh, I, I know it's a lovely thing. It, it does seem to help artists visualize more clearly their artistic vision. Uh, don't put it in water. Um uh, it it seems to uh, it oxidizes. It forms a, a coating of oxidization that can come off in water. And I'm not sure about its toxicity. I'm really not. Um, if you need to uh, discharge it or cleanse it, put it in a bowl of salt. And um, if you want to make a infusion or an elixir, put it in some other container, like a glass container, and put that in the uh, elixir and uh, let it infuse that way. But uh, bismuth is very interesting. It's a very interesting element, very interesting uh, metal to work with spiritually. And uh, almost everybody I've ever known who works with them gets a, uh, their own unique um, end out of it, their own unique purpose out of it. It's very, very unique crystal, and they come in all different colors and shades and variations too. So that's going to affect how you how you use it. I have a, I have a couple of pieces of it and they, they're, they're unique. They're different, different shapes, different clusters. And, um, um, you know, that's one of the drawbacks of buying stuff through the mail. You don't know what you get. I always like to go into a shop and look around and go, Oh, I like you little fellow. Come home with me. And you know, the, um, it's a very personal thing buying crystals. I think, um, sometimes you buy them in the mail, uh, you know, you buy a handful of them in the mail and you get lucky Some, because sometimes they find you, you know, the, uh, whatever consciousness of the universe, uh, arranges things and you get very lucky. I've been very lucky buying crystals online. I, I get some and I go, yeah, those are really nice. Uh, only rarely do I get something and I go, you know, that I'm going to give that one away. But, uh, most of the time I, I get very lucky. Anyway, let's go to our prayer uh, our prayer service of the week. If you go to www.crystalsilenceleague.org, it's a handful to type in, and go to the prayer page, uh, we get anywhere from one to 200 prayers a week, quite a bit. And uh, if I renew this page, I will guarantee you that uh, there'll be another 20 or 25 since the last time I renewed it about 20 minutes ago. And uh, you can read them with me. I'm just going to use the prayer ID to uh, identify them. So uh, let's just start. Let's just go in there. As I say, time is a wasting. Uh, prayer ID 92908, who prays, may I lose weight and become healthier and grow my hair back. And he says, may I lose as much weight as possible to get back down to my normal size. May I become healthier and happier. May my clothes fit a lot looser than before. And may my hair grow back to the length that it once was back in 2010. May any sign of depression cease to exist. Ashe. Well, you're a good-looking young man. I don't see why you should uh, worry about how you look. Prayer ID 92906, who says, Revelation 21, verse 8. But as for the cowardly and the faithless and the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask you to cause the wicked to die and to die again, for wicked are they that rise up against us. The Lord be against them. The Lord is our defense. Let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end. May the wicked die and die again. Amen. 
and prayer ID 92903, who wants protection from danger. and says, please remove him from my life, Lord. This is someone named uh, D.G. Please help me and protect me from him. Make him go away for good. Stop him, please. He is obsessed and won't leave me alone. I need help. Amen. And there's prayer ID 92904. I went through dentistry today and lost many teeth. I'm very sick. Please pray for my recovery by Jesus' stripes. We are healed. Amen. Prayer ID 92900. Please may I figure out how to get a virtual doctor visit. May I get the medical care that I need, and may I be healthy and fit? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. And from the same person, may I have really good computer skills. I need to learn many things and have the patience to learn them. Amen. Which explains why she needs to figure out how to do a virtual doctor visit. That makes sense. Prayer ID 92897. Protect me from alcohol, drugs, and people who use and sell drugs. Remove me from them and change my lifestyle. Amen. In prayer ID 92896, Dear Heavenly Father, may AMLP be true to his words. May his commitment to me be everlasting and have him keep all his promises. Please remove all obstacles from our path so that we may have the home we both want. May we always love and cherish and honor each other. In Jesus' name, amen. And prayer ID 92895, please, St. Espedy, let my son get his unemployment. He's had three jobs in three months because he has such a strong work ethic, risking his health to work as an essential worker because he needs the money. Well, finally, the businesses are not making enough money and have let him go. They recommend him to apply for unemployment. St. Nespedy, please help my son get through on the call. He keeps calling the hotline and it disconnects. My goodness, I have your pound cake waiting for you. Please let LR get through today. Amen. And that is today. That's a prayer for today. Prayer ID 92894. Pray that my crush will realize I am the suitest for him i'm suited for him and we can be a loving couple with the possibility of marriage pray that he sees my loving intentions and my uniqueness and then forget his fear for a close and loving relationship amen so many men fear relationships and that's something I, I blame soy it's soy poisoning quit drinking those soy lotties and man up prayer id nine to drink black coffee black coffee is what you need Prayer ID 92893. Dear St. Jude, thank you for providing for us. We appreciate you lending us your favor and keeping us gainfully employed. We love you. Amen. Yay, St. Jude. The uh, saint of uh, what, hopeless cases. Saint of hopeless cases. Prayer ID 92892. Because others have neglected to do or neglect or mistreat or take advantage, know that if ye rail... On them ye are creating poison within thine own system, but if ye do not rail on them, it turns upon them, but bless them rather. Amen. That's kind of the theme of my sermon tonight. How appropriate. Prayer ID 92891. I manifested a good job and good salary pay after being divorced, broke, and homeless with my kids. I request a prayer that the sale of the home that we love is blocked until I can buy it. The owners need to sell, and I'm working on credit, but I don't want to lose it or sadden my kids. Oh, it's a good time to buy a house right now. Um, please pray that I'm able to buy this home now. And she gives the address. I'm not going to say it out loud because you all will rush to get it. I'm grateful for your prayers. Amen. Let's do one more, and then we'll go over uh, to our general players, prayers. 92889. And this is uh, for everyone who's struggling spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically, or sexually. May the tiny light of hope always burn within our souls. May it grow unfettered, unrestrained, and fill our days and nights with so much light. Only success, victory, and love of the purest kind manifest itself in our lights. May we step on the crumpled curses hurled our ways and walk forward 
through the armies of enemies and naysayers to reach our ultimate good and highest blessings. May we always remember we are the ones who decide our fate. Amen. Well, by golly, yes. Let's uh, have a moment of silent meditation and prayer for all those who need hope and comfort and strength. Amen. Do you believe there's an order to things? Things happen for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. And um, I've come to think that there must be, um, even though it doesn't make sense to us. And uh, uh, I'm a person who does uh, root work, and I do other types of work for people. And uh, I I burn visual settings. I fix and burn candles. And uh, and sometimes people will want something to happen, and I and I tell them right up front. I say, you know, spirit work's unpredictable, and you may not get what you want. You, I do have faith you will get a blessing from spirit when you ask. But spirits see things a lot further than we do, and that which we call God sees things even more. And what is planned or what is best for you and for everyone may not be exactly what you want. And so sometimes it happens. And I was talking about this with some colleagues of mine that um, someone might contract some work and they want a certain thing to happen. And I explained this to people right up front. I say, okay, you want a certain result. And I said, uh, I can petition that for you. I'm an advocate between you and the spirits. That's what I do. I'm an advocate and uh, I carry this to spirit. I work for the spirits and the spirits, answer to God. And I answered all of them. I don't tell them what to do. I'm not the commander here. I'm, I'm the bottom rung of that ladder. And uh, I'll, I'll give you the results. I'll tell you what happened. And uh, root work or magic is an attempt to sometimes change the future uh, in a certain way. And some things can and some things can't be uh, adjusted. And sometimes people um, get upset, and I've had this happen. I've had people uh, say something to me that's simply not true uh, because they'll get upset. They'll say, well, it didn't work, and sometimes they're mad, and uh, I'm very firm about that uh, because uh, my response to that is, how do you know it didn't work? How do you know it didn't work? You made an appeal to spirit to bless you and you ask him to change your future. And how do you know it didn't work? How do you know it didn't work? Because God's response to that, to Moses was, where were you when I created the universe? And this is what I, what I say to people who get mad at me 
and you know it didn't work. Well, God says, "Where were you when you created the universe? How do you know it didn't work? How do you know what would have happened if you hadn't asked for spiritual intervention? What terrible stuff would have happened in your life if you hadn't asked for this blessing? Would you like me to do a reading and tell you what would have happened? There was a uh, there's a uh, a master who's gone into ascension, you know, uh, an, an ascended master who had taught Yogananda, uh, the great. Swami, and uh, there's a story about him. Uh, he had lived for several hundred years in Tibet. Uh, like St. Germain, he had uh, purified the flesh and the spirit so much that he had defied aging. And, uh, and you know, I don't care what skeptics say. There are so many documented sightings of St. Germain that he easily had been seen over the course of 250 years without aging easily had been seen so much documentation that you can't deny, you can't deny it. And the same thing with Babaji. Uh, he had been seen by so many people in Tibet and taught, he taught so many people in Tibet, including Yogananda, that there was no doubt that it was him. Uh, but anyway, there was a, uh, uh, an incident where he had some of his chalas, some of his students uh, around a fire teaching. And at one point he picked up a burning branch from the fire and he struck one of the, one of the men around the fire on the shoulder with it and knocked him down. And one of the other students said, said, master, how cruel. And uh, he said, uh, it seems to you that it is. He said, but what you don't know is that, uh, his karma. And he said, would you rather have seen him burn to death in front of your eyes? And he said, by me hitting him on the shoulder with that fire and causing him a little bit of pain, he has discharged the karma that would have led to him dying a terrible death in front of you, consumed in fire, screaming in agony. And he laid his hands on the guy's shoulder where he had, you know, the blister where he was hit with it and healed him. So, how do you know what would have happened? Were there not a higher intervention? How do you know? So never say it didn't. your prayers didn't work. Uh, how do you know? And, you know, what I say, to, I say, my name's John, not Jehovah. Uh, you know, do, do you have the omniscience of a higher being, of a higher power to know what would have happened if you hadn't stepped into that? Uh, area of faith into that vicinity of faith and said, you know, I'm, I turn this over to you. I turn this over to spirit. I have faith, you know, do something for my own good. You know, I, I call upon the power of God to uh, intercede here. Um, you know, and it said, your will, not mine be done. And yeah, I might want this woman to come back. I might want this man to come back. Spirit looks into it and go, well, you know, He's not ready. You're not ready. The two of you are not ready. And if you got together now, that'd be a terrible thing. And then you're disappointed because you didn't get your candy. And you get mad because we're human. You say, I didn't get this job. I wonder why have you gotten that job? And it would have been a disaster. Here, here's what happens a lot. Um, uh, ambitious young men will contact me and say, yeah, I want, I want to get this. I'm doing this, uh, uh, power of attraction thing. I got a vision board. I'm going to get this car. I'm going to get this big job, make a million dollars. And uh, by the end of the year, can you help me do that? And I say, so tell me, tell me about yourself. What are you doing now? Well, you know, I'm living with my parents right now. What kind of school do you have? Well, I just got out of high school. Got any college? No, not really. What's your work experience? Well, I've, when I was in high school, I worked, you know, at Burger King. Uh, so you have no work experience. Well, how are you going to make a million dollars? Well, I'm going to attract it. I'm going to draw it. I'm going to get a job and get an executive position. I said, well, why don't we do this? Why don't we manifest you a job first and get you out of your parents' house? And uh, then from there, uh, build your uh, work resume uh, and, and get you some experience. Uh, because I, Because I, I'm going to tell you, if you – Let's say you did manifest a million dollars, you you would die, you would explode, it would kill you. I, I know people in the entertainment business. Um, uh, a lot of people 
in the entertainment business, and, and many of them were very young, and they got very lucky. And by young, I mean under 30. And they landed really good jobs, really good contracts in Las Vegas. And I will tell you, Las Vegas is no place for a young man. I, I, I can't speak about young women. I can tell you about. I can tell you as a man, Las Vegas is no place for a young man. Las Vegas is damn near not a good place for a middle-aged man. Las Vegas is nowhere for a man who has desires and no discipline and no experience. Uh, these young men who got these really good contracts in Las Vegas uh, uh, didn't do well. They were talented entertainers, talented young men, but they were young men, basically in a city that caters to whatever desire you might have, whatever desire you might have dangled in front of your nose. Now, I'll tell you that when I went to Vegas when I was 50, Vegas had nothing for me. Um, there's no temptation in Vegas for me. I don't gamble. I don't drink. I don't chase women. After I saw a few shows, I was ready to come home. There's nothing there for me. No temptation for me. You know what my temptations are? Reading books and playing my piano, listening to opera. There was no opera in Vegas. After I saw a few shows, I was ready to come home. I want the quiet life. My tem- you know, my, I'm, I'm a very boring person. I really am. You know, I don't like to go out dancing. don't like to go out drinking. I'm very boring. Vegas had nothing for me. But for these young men, it was like El Dorado. And they weren't showing up for their shows. The producers were uh, – I knew some. I knew one of the producers. He was a hypnotist uh, who had a show out there. He was calling – he said, he said, John, what's, what's going on here? I said, well, man, you shouldn't have hired a 25-year-old kid and brought him out to Vegas. I said, you know, that just to me seemed like a recipe for disaster. He's showing up to the show drunk. Yes. He's showing up to the show high. Yes. He's showing up to the show with a whore on his arm. Yes. <laughs> so um, success can come to you too early. Um, I'm, I'm just really kind of saying that there's a um, – a time for things and you, you can't have everything you want, but uh, uh, there's a time for it. There's a time for it. And uh, I'm, I didn't even know I was going to talk about this. It just kind of came to me, uh, but there's a, a time for it and some plans have to be made uh, incrementally. And there's a stillness that we have to develop. Uh the first exercise I would give anybody is to learn how to sit still. Learn how to sit still in a chair. Just take a deep breath and sit still in a chair. And learn how to control your fidgeting. Rest your hands in your lap. Um, and learn how to control your movement. Move your fingers one at a time. And keep the rest of them still. Uh, learn how to control the movements of your arms and your legs so you don't fidget. Um, and learn how to go to sleep at night where you don't lay there with your mind uh, fidgeting. Learn how to control your fidgeting. And there's a wonderful exercise for sleep that um, I remember uh, it, it comes from uh, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh from one of his books. So I, I assume it's been around a long time in the Buddhist community. And I saw uh, Bhikshu uh, Kasala uh, talk about it on television. Bhikshu, Bhikshu Kasala is a very cool Buddhist monk. He uh, drives around on a motorcycle and he plays the blues harmonica. And if you've never seen him, uh, look him up. It's Bhikshu uh, Kasala. And uh, he is um uh, been on television a lot and he has his own website and he works with troubled youths in uh, um, low income areas and it occurred to him that since before he became a monk he played blues harmonica he said I'll teach these kids how to play it and he catches some criticism there are these people that, oh Buddhist monks should not be doing stuff like that but it's uh, expedient means with him but he was on a talk show and he was, he was showing this exercise you know some of these kids come from very troubled backgrounds and they have trouble resting their mind and this is a very good exercise to learn how to sleep at night if you have problems but for five minutes 
you sit on the side of the bed and you breathe and it's an exercise. You, you say, as I breathe in, I relax. And as I breathe out, I smile. And as I breathe in, I relax. And as I breathe out, I smile. And what you find is you do this for five minutes, you'll you'll go to sleep. This is a uh, not only is it a relaxation exercise, but you will you'll find that a lot of your anxiety and tension you do store in the muscles of your face and neck, and the very act of breathing and smiling will the tension that you hold in your face and your neck and you'll find your head nodding as I breathe in I relax and as I breathe out I smile and um, you can find that in a lot of places in different forms uh, Thich Nhat Hanh and uh, uh, Bhikkhu Kesala and uh, let's go to station identification and we'll come back with uh, possibly a change of uh, change of direction. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LaFay, Fridays, 1 to 2. And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 7 to 8. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Let's talk about guilt. Guilt is why you stay up at night, isn't it? Um, we're taught from an early age that we should be ashamed of ourselves. Have you ever heard that as a kid? You should be ashamed of yourself. I would never tell a child to be ashamed of himself or herself. I would never tell a grown person to be ashamed. You should be ashamed of yourself and herself. In in a extreme, in an extremity, I might say that was shameful. You know, that action was shameful. Uh, you know, what you did was shameful. And I don't even think I would say that at this point in my life. I don't think I'd tell anybody that what they did was shameful. I, th- I don't think I'd use the word shameful or guilty. It's a terrible thing. The wicked are the bewitched in this world. And and uh, we would say that wicked people uh, or anyone who thinks negatively and destructively. Um, there are people who are unwholesome and they do think wickedly and they think negatively and they think destructively and they leave damage in their wake. And some people do this without even knowing it. There are people who just walk around innocently and foolishly and they damage everything they touch. But we're not, we're not talking about that. We're, uh, we're talking about people who feel guilty and uh, they, they do things uh, foolishly or thoughtlessly. You and I, the things that we torment ourselves about, things we said or done, and we can't have peace from it. But life holds no grudge against any living being in the world, life itself. God is life. We've talked about this. God is all creation. And this life principle, this creative principle within us, that moving within us, that animates us, that, uh, you know, the life force itself um, animates us and sustains us and strengthens us. And, you know, if you wonder where God is, this life principle in us is God. God is within us. There are people in the fundamentalist church that, you know, faint when you say that. When I say it, they think it's blasphemy. They think I'm going to hell for that. That's guilt saying that. That's shame saying that. It's not God saying that. You are alive. I am alive with the life of God. Life is forever forgiving us. And we, we have to let the scales of superstition fall from our eyes. We can't sustain a belief that says there's no forgiveness. And we have to become aware of these simple truths, which are always known, always known by the ancients. Truth has been distorted and twisted. It's been prostituted for money. And it's beyond recognition. I always say, follow the money. Where's the money? Follow the money. And if the money is there, if there's money there, then probably the truth is being uh, hidden behind that money. 
that's why guilt is universal, right? In every age, people have been told to banish this sense of guilt, and they've employed various ceremonies and rituals for this purpose. But the guilt shouldn't be there to begin with, right? In very old days, um, and even to this day in some countries, bulls and doves were sacrificed to appease the gods of wrath. When storms came, crops ruined, uh, droughts passed through, um, people believed that the gods were angry. The jungle priest had to give people an answer. The uh, shamans of the plains, the uh, uh, wise men, the elders had to give an answer. They said, well, the gods are angry. We have to propitiate them, right? If you didn't give the people an explanation, they would kill them. Therefore, the these uh, ancient priests gave answers which satisfied the superstitious beliefs of the people. Our modern priests do the same thing. Why is God angry? Because the people made him mad. You see it this very day. You see it on Facebook. You see it on the Internet. You see it on the TV. Why is there COVID-19? Because the people sin. Why are there the murder wasps? Because the people sin. It's the judgment of God. I, I've been making fun of it on my own Facebook. I say, you know, it, it's, you know, we, we have the plague, the flood, the hornets, the wasps, you know, next we the bloody rain. I'm making fun of it. I'm not, don't believe it. I'm making fun of it uh, because there are people who do believe it. They believe, you know, God is sending a judgment against us. There's no God sending a judgment against us. If there's a judgment, we're doing it to ourselves. We're judging ourselves. And in remote parts of the world, there are people who sacrifice their children to appease these angry gods of flood, fire, and famine. And, you know, this is no different than paying a gangster, right, paying a criminal, giving him tribute money every week so he won't throw a bomb into your store or burn your house down, right? So if you burn your hand, life will forgive you, right? Over time... Uh, the swelling goes down, and you'll grow new skin and tissue, and you'll grow new cells. Life doesn't hold a grudge against you. The world doesn't hold a grudge against you. If you cut your hand, life forgives you, right? Your uh, new cells grow. Uh, the, the cut is healed. Uh, life is always forgiving you. Uh, life is giving and, and uh, abundance and forgiveness. If you eat some bad food, even uh, to a degree, anyway, life will forgive you. You might throw up for a while, but that's that's life forgiving you. You know, you'll have uh, diarrhea, you'll throw up, you'll regurgitate it. It's not ill will or punishment. It's life forgiving you. You 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 throw it up, you you go on. So we have to learn to use this life principle the right way, not against us. Um, we have to cease going against the stream of life when a child is born. It's the universal life individualizing itself. It's a new piece of individual life and appearing in your home and in your life. It's, some, it's a happiness. It's something to rejoice about. And the first thing parents do is, how am I going to warp this kid to conform to our superstitions? And, our, and we're going to use shame and guilt to do that. This child has no discrimination or discernment or racism or anything. Shame, guilt, hate, anger. Uh, it hasn't begun to use this reason as yes. Not try to figure out reasons to be unhappy or reasons to hate anybody. It's going to learn that from its parents. It's subject to whatever mood in its parents. These, chi these ch this child wants to follow its own inner inherent drives, and it does. There's no evil in those things. But the father or the mother who doesn't understand says, "Oh, you little brat." You're a sinner. You're a naughty boy or girl. God's going to punish you. You're going to suffer for this. And the child's baffled. He can't figure out what's wrong uh, because he doesn't have discernment. He can't figure the world out. He doesn't know this. He's like those very old and primitive uh, tribes, you know, just right off that Neanderthal um, level that thought when thunder uh, and lightning hit that it was – God being mad at them, right? He feels his mother is angry, um, and he reacts maybe by um, wetting his bed at night. He um, he he feels cut off from love and protection and security. 
because that's what the parents represent to him. It's a very frightening thing. Um, the child could also react by becoming weak, uh, timid, uh, insecure. The child might become a bully, bullying others, uh, uh, feel rejection, and um, become passive aggressive or aggressive. A lot of things. A lot of things can happen. A young boy might react to a tyrannical father by becoming hostile, belligerent, resentful. He knows his father's a big man, so he suppresses his anger in front of his father, but this suppressed rage comes out later. Uh, he might find himself opposed to authority because he's been against his father all of his life, so he gets in trouble with school, the policeman. I, I know I'm projecting here, but you know it, it starts somewhere, right? Uh, he's always fighting the father, so he fights authority as a proxy. Now, authority has limits, right? Uh, the president of the United States is subject to authority. Congress has power over him. Now, our current president doesn't believe that, but it does. It does. We have to live and adjust to authority. That's, that's how civilization works. We have to adjust to authority. Wherever we go, there's authority. And look how many people resent that. Look how many people resent that there's authority. Authority is a natural thing. Society runs on that within reason. But a simple, just simple things. There are people carrying guns and stuff to City Hall over sim simple things. A, a simple thing. Just be considerate. Be considerate. Hell no, I'm not going to be considerate. This is, you see how this problem grows. And we have to learn to establish control over our thoughts and our feelings and our responses. This is why it's important to take charge of our own minds. When we do not take charge of this, this motley crew in our minds, because our minds doesn't consist of a single personality. We have a whole crew in there. We have everybody we've ever uh, let affect us in our mind. We, we have to say, you know, I'm the master. I'm going to order my thoughts. Until you know th this whole crew of people, what I'm going to pay attention to, we're going to be like an employer ordering his employees to execute his instructions, and all the employees say, "No, I'm going to do whatever I want to do." A house divided against itself cannot stand. So we man must take charge of his own mind and not permit others to govern it for him. Creed and dogma and tradition and superstition and fear and ignorance rule the mind of the average man. The average man does not own his own mind. It does not belong to him. It's ruled over quite often and governed by the rank superstitions of other people. And we must realize that a great sense of guilt comes from what is called conscience. A great number of people think that the voice of conscience is that of God himself. And it is not. Conscious is your inner feeling, and the voice is someone else, mostly your parents. And quite often, it's the voice of fear and superstition and weird, weird concepts of God. I knew a, uh, knew a man, um, I grew up with him, in fact. He feared that he'd be punished by God himself uh, because he didn't go to church on Sunday. He knew he thought if I don't go to church, I'll be punished. God Himself will punish me. That's how important he thought he was. And this is the inner voice of superstition and false belief implanted in him by his parents. And this belief on part of that guy gave him a sense of guilt, and he felt he must be punished. And because of that sense of guilt and that sense that he must be punished, he was unable to function in his marriage, in his job. And he drank constantly. Thanks, Mom and Dad. Hey, so when you're young, you were given taboos and restrictions and homilies and a series of don'ts. You were perhaps told that you were evil, a sinner, and that God would punish you just because of who you are. Original sin, remember? Perhaps you were told of a lake of fire waiting for you if you didn't behave and believe in a certain Creed, and everybody else was wrong. You're, this was right, and everybody else was wrong. You cannot stray from the true belief. The minds of children are contaminated and polluted with all kinds of strange notions and doctrines. And I remember, oh my gosh, uh, when I was really young, uh, a friend of mine said, 
you know, if you ride your bicycle without lights, you'll be punished. And God will push you over and you'll fall and hurt yourself. Because my mom said so. She said, if you ride your bicycle without lights, God will push you over and you'll, you'll break your leg. Because you'll be naughty. And if you're naughty, God will punish you. And how disastrous, what a terrible thing to tell a kid that you'll be punished if you ride your bike, uh, that God, that God will punish you. What a terrible thing to tell a kid. Um, and uh, mom, moms and dads should instill confidence in their kid um, and not fear. Um, kids should never be told that they were born in sin, that they were born wrong. Uh, they should be taught that they're, children of God and God is their real father and God loves them. Um, they should be taught that love cannot do anything that is unloving, that love does not hurt you. Um, what does a kid think if they say, okay, God loves you, but God will also hurt you. What is, what do you, what do you tell, you tell a little girl, you know, God is your father. God is, uh, the, most important male in your life. God loves you, but God will also hurt you if you do wrong. What does that, what does that little girl bring into a relationship? Disastrous, disastrous that you're born dirty. You're born in sin. Disastrous. So, you know, the, the parents are there to teach the kids that uh, bread is good to eat. Butter is good to eat. Milk's good to eat, but rat poison and Drano and bleach is not good to eat. You know, they teach the kids right from wrong. Um, kids learn manners, they're socialized, uh, to be indoctrinated. He learns what's right and good and true and noble. This weird, weird crap. But the the parents learned it from their parents, and they learned it from their parents. Um, and the people I talk to every day, and you know, you know, I do I do like thirty readings a week or more. And everybody I talked to were messed up by somebody. And all they're trying to do is feel better about themselves. And at some point, when I'm talking to them, I get down to some conflict in belief where they feel like they're going to betray their parents or somebody. They're going to betray somebody if they let go of some belief that's going to make them unhappy. And I'm going to leave you with that because there's some point in a introspection, in some journey where <clears throat> every one of us is going to encounter a belief that's making us unhappy that if we let it go, we're going to feel a conflict that if we let go of this belief, we're going to be terrified to let it go. Because there's a catch-22 there. We know this belief is making us unhappy, that if we let it go, there's a betrayal. And I'm going to leave you with that. That's a little bomb I'm going to drop on you. We'll pick it up next week. This is Reverend John St. Germain. You know if nobody else loves you, I do. <laughs> so I'll see you next week. We are in a difficult position Reverend St. Germain Gave me what we need for our condition Cinnamon and clothes And a sugar box Five finger grasses I keep it by the stove Stirring coffee Thicker than molasses Church of Divine Harmony Serving the lost lands of Knoxville, Tennessee Faithfully praise with the crystal